do we as a church understand what salvation looks like from God's perspective? Inside of us, there's a God-sized void that God makes us with. We're born with that hole in our heart. The only thing that fits that hole is Jesus. And you can try to plug a lot of things in there to give you some kind of meaning in life and make you feel fulfilled and whole, but it won't work. We have been born and bought with a price. Jesus gave his life for us. He's not asking us to be perfect, but he is asking us to be committed and diligent about our pursuit of him. Hey guys, this is Pastor Tommy. Thanks for joining us today at the church at Bushland. Man, we pray that your faith will be encouraged and inspired from today's message. Hey, good to see each of you. Grateful for the time that we get to spend together. Thank you, Church Online, for joining us as well. It's a beautiful time of the year. Love fall. About to get that next week. Woo, bless Jesus. And some rain, praise the Lord. This is that season where you wear a jersey after Saturday's games, and it might change by next Saturday. It's just the way it works, amen. So hope you're wearing the jersey, proud that, that you had a good Saturday. Some didn't have a good Saturday, tech. Uh, but others had a good Saturday, amen. Uh, <laughs> The burnt orange is feeling good right now. I'm just, God, just saying the burnt orange feeling good. Enough of that. I could talk sports all day. So uh, do what they pay you to, Jeff. Say, hey, good to see you again. Hey, we're in a series called The Church, simply called The Church Defined, okay? And what I want to do, or what we're doing on this, it's kind of two halves on the fall series. First half, we're looking at what God had in mind when he established the church, I mean, some of us are like, what the world was God thinking? Right. But, but, but God established a church. The church is a beautiful thing. Ecclesia is the church. It's the Greek word for the church, okay? It means the assembly, okay? All the called out ones, okay? That's what church is, okay? And he loves the church. Second half of the series, we're gonna look at in this crazy world with all the stuff we've got to navigate, all these different terms and words and things and whatever this is, uh, the church is still here, all right? All right, unless he comes back, the church is still here. What in the world are we supposed to look like? How are we supposed to respond to a world that is so just confusing, man? It just doesn't make sense anymore. There's nothing simple anymore. Everything's kind of just messed up. And so we're going to look at the church. What has God got in mind for the church in the days that we have in front of us? Okay. Unless he redeems the church, he wants us to navigate them. And you may like, he thinks more of me than I do of me. <laughs> but, but we find ourselves there. Amen. And so that's kind of how we're going to look at the church in the two pieces that we're going to look at. Today, it's two part. Uh, today's part one. Next week, Glad you asked. You'll be here too because it's part two and I want you to miss it. All right. God does not have orphans is the title. You know what an orphan is? It's a child that's lost both parents. Okay. You see, we, our heavenly father is well intact and we're not orphans. Amen. And he highly sitting on that throne and he's got everything under control. And our God is not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have a heavenly father that is crazy about us, that ran us down, that pursued us, that loves us. He thinks the world of us. And we are not orphans. We're not left alone. He wants to speak to us. 
He wants to, he wants to save us if we haven't already been born again, right? He wants relationship with us. We are not orphans. He doesn't leave us by ourselves. okay? He doesn't leave us by ourselves. all right? And so we're gonna look at that, okay? We're gonna look at what that looks like because the church is a beautiful thing, okay? And, and, and I understand this about the church. I know that some churches, um, they're, they're just not what they need to be. And sometimes people can get hurt in church and you can get hurt in this church too. Why? Because there are humans in this church. Humans hurt humans. That's what happens, Right? And I don't want that to happen, but sometimes you can get hurt in church. And when that happens to you, we can get a bad taste in our mouth about church. Church is still a beautiful, 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 wonderful thing. It's still a great thing, okay? Now, I know that, that, that in the, you know, I always get questions about church and people say, well, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I'm like, I know that's not the point. The point is that God died for the church and he's coming back to get the church. And if he died for it and coming back for it, it's a big deal, all right? And the church is a big deal, okay? So I wanna ask you a question. Is it possible to be a committed, growing Christian and not be an active part of his body, the local church? Is it possible to be born again, to be a growing Christian, committed Christian, but not really give a hoot about the local church or being involved at the church? Some people think you can. I disagree with them. I think if you understand what the church is and that he died for the church and he's coming back to get the church, I can't put, I cannot bear his name and not be an active part of the church. I can't. Because the church means that much to him, it ought to mean that much to me. Uh, and in and, 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 and the church is a beautiful, beautiful thing, as I said. And listen to me. I am so grateful for online. And we have one of the best online church services you're going to watch. Why? Because Brandon Garcia is top notch and his team of people that make this thing happen every week are awesome. And I love him to death. All right. But online does not and is not and never was intended to take the place of in-house worship. Never was. It can't take that place because many of you have said, I watch online when I'm not here, but it's just not the same, Jeff. And it's not the same because there's something about the corporate anointing of worship when we all come together. See, there's, there's something about a week that you can have when you don't feel like worshiping, but you're in church and you look around and somebody is worshiping and your church is worshiping and you look at them and you say, I can. They, they help me. They inspire me. They encourage me. They build me up. They lift me up. And all of a sudden, I start worshiping. And that week I had starts to pale in comparison. And I understand what I've got in church. And I understand how grateful I am for my church. And that's what corporate worship does for you. You can't do that by yourself. I, I promise you. You can get real depressed and real downcast and real in a, in a dark place all by yourself. Man's not good on an island. Just telling you. All right, not good on that island. And sometimes we can use bedside Baptist and first mattress to, to stay away. And, and I'm telling you, that's not good for us, okay? It's not good. You gotta get up, get up, get up, and get here. And when you get up, get up, and get up, and get here, God meets you here, okay? And does something in you, even though there's not much in you for that week. It's just something about it. I promise you this. You won't leave here wishing you'd have never come. You won't. 
because it's a good house and it's a good place to be. So I want to look today at, 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 at a, I want to look today at a question or a statement that I don't think we look at enough. We know what salvation means. I know what salvation uh, means to me. I know what I got at salvation. But have we as a church, do we as a church understand what salvation looks like from God's perspective? Can we turn it around just for one moment and look at salvation the way God looks at it? Not for what we got, because we, we say, well, it, it's a free gift. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just have to come down or pray a prayer and, and you say his prayer and you're, you're saved just like that. You're born again. And then we get you baptized and you're good to go. And that sounds easy. And it sounds free and we like free. But can, I, can you understand something? Though it is easy and though it is free and though it didn't cost you much, it cost him everything. It might be free to me and you, but it wasn't free to him. And sometimes I think the church has got it so mixed up sometimes because we make this easy believism. We make salvation so easy and so painless. And it's just like, well, I'll just, uh, I'll just get saved and I got fire insurance and I'll go live like hell and it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. If you look at salvation from God's perspective, it matters. It matters a lot. It matters so much that he died in your place because you couldn't take the place that he took because you were a sinful person and Jesus was a spotless lamb of God and he had to take your place. And he didn't do it because he wanted to. He did it because out of obedience to his father. And he said, there's no other way, God, can this cup pass from me? He said, no other way. Then not my will, but thy will be done. I'll go to the cross for you. And so he went to the cross for the church. And sometimes I think the church spends too much time looking at salvation from their perspective and not from God's perspective. We look at salvation sometimes like Starbucks, right? And we love Starbucks. And listen, God loves Starbucks too. He loves coffee. He wrote Hebrews, all right? But what I'm saying is, he, look, some of you, that's going to land about kickoff of the Cowboy game at 7.20 tonight, okay? But, but what I'm saying is, we, 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 we get in line at Starbucks. Why? Because they have what we want. How dare they run out of our flavor? How dare them? Don't make me sit in this line nine cars deep, get all the way up to the window, and you tell me you ain't got that cream. I, I, you always had that cream. I'm here. I, you should have that cream. And then you're mad. You're mad. And sometimes I think people look at salvation in God's perspective like that. They want something, and it's all about them, them, me, me, me. And if we turn salvation around and we look at it, what it cost him to get to us, we'll follow him different. We'll be committed different. The local church is a big deal. He died for the church. Remember last week, we talked about Peter's confession. That's what he built the church on. You are Christ, the son of the living God. That's the confession he built the church on. That's the confession that you and I are born in. All right? Out of our mouth, we say, yeah, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I'm a sinner. And I pray you save me, Jesus. Make me new. I want to be born again. That's the great confession. You are Christ, the, the son of the living God. And you're born again. That's what the church is. And that confession right there makes you the church, meaning he died for you. That means it's something. And he's coming back to get you one day. And that's something. And if he did all that for you, that's his perspective. Then how bear it for us to take something that was free, that wasn't free to him though. And we ought to give it better. We ought to give the church more. We ought to serve him better. We ought to not take it so flippantly. All right. 
The church is important. And every chance you get to be a part, actively part of the church, jump in and be a part of the church. Be as committed as you can be, man. And when you're not here, laid up from a surgery or out of town or laying on the beach and all that stuff or going to the mountains to watch the Aspens, tune in. That's what, that's what our live service is for. But it is not to take the place for the in-house worship. And so I encourage you, like you're doing today, get to the house. If you're online, get to the house, man, because nothing takes the place of in-house worship, nothing. So I wanna look at salvation from God's perspective. You listen fast, I'll talk faster, all right? John 17, three. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is salvation. Salvation is for us to what? Know him. That's it. To know him, not to what? Oh man, I got saved, I'm going to heaven. That's beautiful, I love that, that's gorgeous. But between now and heaven, what's your pursuit? Gotta be Jesus. That's what salvation is for, for you to know him. Our deepest longing in our heart is to have a relationship with God. Every one of us in the room, even online, inside of us, there's a God-sized void that God makes us with. We're born with that hole in our heart. The only thing that fits that hole is Jesus. Only thing. Not relationships, not cars, not money, not location, not any of that stuff, not a career, not nothing. The only thing that fits that is Jesus. And you can try to plug a lot of things in there to give you some kind of meaning in life and uh, make you feel fulfilled and whole, but it won't work. Where's that? The woman at the well had five husbands living with a man, met Jesus at the well. Jesus changed her life just like that. Why? Because Jesus fits that hole, not anything else. Every time. So salvation from God's perspective. Here's a couple of questions. When God saved us, what was on his heart? When God saved us, what was on his heart? What did he do to accomplish it? How does he implement his purpose in our lives? What was on his heart? What did he do to accomplish it? And what does he want to do to make that purpose come alive in our lives? All right. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Speaking of Hebrews, all right. Someone ever tell you God don't like coffee. God loves coffee. All right. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Hebrews 2, 1. We must, pay more, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedient received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such great salvation? Hmm. How could we ignore such a great salvation? I am thankful and grateful every single day that mercy and goodness follows me everywhere I go. I am grateful for the mercy of God, grateful for the grace of God. But it is not grace that just keeps on giving us so that we can just go sin. We can't just go live however we want to. We have been born and bought with a price. Jesus gave his life for us. He's not asking us to be perfect, but he is asking us to be committed and diligent about our pursuit of him. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what he wants. 
I mean, my grandfather taught me when I was a little kid, man, clean up the fishing roads. You had to get in from deep sea fishing and hose all the rods down. Had to wash the boat down because you got to get the salt water off. When I was mowing the yard, boo, you got to get them lines straight. If you go by my house today, you want to know why my lines are straight? Because my granddad said, if you don't get them lines straight, I'm going to come back from heaven and slap upside your head. I have the line that has to be straight. My granddad did it all the time. He taught me that. Listen to me. I, Jesus gave everything he had for me. If I look at salvation from God's perspective, he did everything for me. I didn't have to do anything. He ran me down. He chased me down. He grabbed me. He went after me when I was far from him. He went after me when I wasn't even pursuing him because he pursued me for a love relationship. That is salvation from God's perspective. If God did that for me, the least I should do is run hard after him. Run hard after him. His word, his church, want to be committed to the church, serve the church, give to the church. Why? Because the church is what he died for. And the church is what he's coming back to get because he loves the church. So I want to look at salvation from God's perspective. Three things real fast. Three characteristics of God's great salvation. We look so much, man, at what we get out of salvation. And it makes us real selfish and me, 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 me. Okay. I want to flip it and look at it from God's perspective. Number one, salvation is always granted on God's terms. Salvation is always granted on God's terms. John 6, says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless he who sent me, the father, draws him. The Father drew each one of us for relationship. You didn't do nothing, man. The Holy Spirit chased your tail down, all right? He pursued you. He found you. You, you thought you were running away from him. He was running after you, all right? You can't outrun God. He ran us down because of his great love for us, because he's crazy about it. He pursues a relationship. He wants a relationship with you, okay? That's what the Father wants, and through Jesus on the cross, he made a way. And his Holy Spirit is what draws us to him. And he knocks on our heart. And you hear that knocking. Or you get warm all over. Or you start sweating. And you're like, man, what is going on? That's God pursuing you. That's God chasing you. That's the Holy Spirit saying, open that door. I'll come in and sup with you and you with me. That's what he wants. So let me ask you this. Having understood that, have you ever understood the significance of that statement of John 6, 44? Do you understand the importance of that? That you don't get saved unless he first initiates it. Think about that for a minute. If God, God, through his Holy Spirit, pursued you, knocked on your heart, invited you to come into relationship. That's how much he loves you. You didn't do that. You didn't do anything. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't say enough right things. You couldn't go to church enough. You couldn't set up straight enough. You, I know you didn't pinch your sister, but, but it's not enough. You had to respond to him and his Holy Spirit drew you. Okay, it's always been granted on his terms. And if God granted it on his terms, we should what? Pursue him like crazy, man. When I was dating Melissa, she was in college and I was already done with college. 
You had to go down Highway 80 to get to her? <laughs> I got three tickets on Highway 80 in a four-month span. Why? Because Melissa was down that road, and she was well worth them tickets. And the sad thing is, two of the three tickets were the same cop. And when he came up to the window the second time, he said, oh, it's you again. I said, oh, it's you again. He said, you going after that same girl? Yes, sir. Where do I sign? Right here. Thank you. Quickest ticket I ever got. Didn't say I wasn't going that fast, because I was, all right? Didn't say, did you know how fast you were going? I knew it. He knew I knew it, all right? I just saw Melissa. I loved her. I was pursuing her. And she was saying, keep pursuing me. So I got on that car and got that right accelerator and I'd gone. And I knew he was hiding in them pines. Couldn't see him. Always hides in those pines. That's probably in East Texas. So they thick, can't see nothing, right? All you see is pine trees. All of a sudden, six cars come out. I'm like, where do you see them cars? Got a ticket from the same guy. Is she worth it? You bet she's worth it. But you know who's more worth it? Jesus. Because Jesus did what Melissa couldn't do. And that's die for me. And I ought to get a ticket every Sunday chasing Jesus to the church because I can't get enough of what he did for me. He is an all-you-can-eat buffet every day when he brings his son up and he says, Jeff, I got a plate for you sitting right here. Will you please sit and eat with me? Oh, I'm busy. You're not too busy for me, Jeff. You don't know what's out there. You need to eat good, son, because what you're about to get a war going. You don't know what that phone's gonna be. You don't know what that person's gonna say. You don't know what this is gonna be. You gotta sit and eat with me because I love you, man. I pursued you. You have a relationship with me because of what? Because I took the first step. You gotta appreciate that and honor me with that. We think we did everything. We think it's Starbucks, man, and it's not. He cost him everything to have a relationship with you and me. And we're so flipping about it, man. We find what we chase. We do. Number two, salvation reflects his nature. The great salvation that we get, it reflects the nature of God. The most identifiable characteristic of salvation is the quality of our love, first to God and second to others. Our first sign that we are absolutely in love with Jesus is, is absolutely our love towards him. I mean, pursuing him, man. And out of that love of pursuing him, we love others. We love others. Go to Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 22. Look at Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And right there, you're thinking, well, I know my neighbors, and I love them. They're great. I'm so grateful for my neighbors. So I'm doing Scripture. You are doing Scripture applaud you. But what I'm telling you is your neighbor is not just the people living by you. Your neighbor is anybody other than you. Your neighbor is those people at work. Oh, can't do that. Can't do that. Anybody other than you is your neighbor. Anybody. Grocery store, restaurant, work, anywhere you are, 
The people that you are around are your neighbors. And God absolutely sets you up every day and he laughs about it because he brings people in your life to sharpen you, to test your love for him and for others. And you say, Jeff, I can't love them. I just can't love those people. I just can't. These people, I just can't love these people. Yes, you can. You can. Well, technically you can't, okay? But if you are alive, you can't. But if you're dead, you can. We are buried with Christ in baptism. We are raised to walk a new life. If you hadn't been died, if you didn't die, if you hadn't been dead of old self, you can't stand up a new self and love them people. I promise you. There's a lot of people that's hard to love, but Jesus can love them. And he can love them through you. We're called to love people, not like people, all right? We are. We're commanded to love them. You don't have to like them, all right? If you like them, that's, a, that's your choice. There's people today that are really difficult to love, all right? all right? Why? Because of the evil, because of the stuff that you see. But my friends, listen to me. One of the greatest things you can do as the church is to love people. You got to love them. You say, Jeff, it kills me to love them. I don't want to love them because if I love them, it's like I agree with them. No, it's not. That's not agreeing with them, okay? Participation is agreeing, okay? You're not agreeing with them. You're loving them as Jesus loves you. Greater friend has no one than this than a friend that will lay down his life. He did it for you when you were not lovable. Do it for them when they're not lovable because it's the greatest thing you can do. Jesus will work on cleaning the fish. You just work on catching the fish, all right? You just be the salt and light. You be the church. And Jesus will take care of the rest. Jesus said in his gospel, John 13, 35, by this, all men will know, K-N-O-W, that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do they know that about you? By your love for others, can they tell? It bothers me when people, whew, they just can't love. I'm like, you can love because he first loved you. He said, Jeff, I can't love them. Or I hear believers say the word hate. I hate them. No, 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 no. We ain't got no business using the word hate. Hate shouldn't even come from us. Why? Because there should be so much love of Jesus inside of us. The word hate never comes out. You can't hate people, man. You can hate their ways. You can hate the action, hate behavior. You can't hate people. Love people. Look at it from God's perspective. Salvation. You didn't get better, clean up, smell right, act right when you met him. You met him just like you were. And he took you and changed your life. That's how you got to love people. Last is this. Number three. If you're looking at God's salvation from his perspective, God's salvation is personal, but not private. God's salvation is personal, but not private. Ooh, I get this all the time, man. Me and the man upstairs, we just have an understanding. <laughs> no, y'all don't. <laughs> Number one, he's not the man upstairs, okay? His name is King Jesus. And you don't have understandings with him. He, bless his heart, has to understand you, okay? So this, me and Jesus, we got this thing going. We, you know, it's, it's just a private thing, just me and, no, it's not a private thing. Look at the cross. Nothing private about the cross. Nothing private about Good Friday wasn't good. Nothing private about any of that. It was all public, public. And he did every bit of that in public for you. 
to have a personal relationship with you so that you on the other side of that, me and you, we can be the salt and light in the world. We can be a city set on a hill that gives light. Listen, this relationship between you and the Lord is not a private matter. It is, a, it is not private, my friend. Yeah, 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 it's personal between you and Jesus, but everything is out in front of us. And you gotta be that church. I hear this all the time. A relationship with God is personal. We were never meant to be private, my friend. Unfortunately, when people are invited to become a deeper involved with the church and more committed to the church, some refuse to do so and keep their distance because they say, I don't do that because my relationship with the Lord is what? It is private. It's not private. They may say my relationship is private, but that's not what they're really meaning, okay? Here's what they say. Although the statement may be accurate, reflects their experience, which it does, it is not biblical. It's just not biblical. Yes, I know you come to Jesus personally. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. But once you have a personal relationship with Jesus, everything you do is out in front of the public. Everything. An example, you may get in your vehicle all by yourself to go drive, but all of us <laughs> will know it. Because everything you do in that car privately affects us, okay, very publicly. Because we have to change and do things differently because you are privately driving your car, amen? So when you privately live your life for the Lord, it affects every one of us, I promise you, okay? Because Jesus said, listen, you're the salt of the earth. You're the city on a hill. Your relationship with the Lord is very personal, but it's not meant to be private because it is about being the church, about being the church. And there's people today that believe that they can just have church all by themselves because they are the church. Listen, I'm not denying that truth. You are the church. You can have church. I try to have church everywhere I go gas stations, restaurants. I just want to have church, all right? But listen to me. Just because you are the church, just because your personal relationship was a personal thing, doesn't mean it's private. It is meant to be out in front and out in the public. You're meant to be engaged in the corporate body called the church. You need what the church can give you. And we need what you can give the church. You've got to rub it. Listen to scriptures in Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another, amen? If you're going to be all that you can be for Christ, you're going to have to be sharpened. You're gonna have to be rubbed. So jump in every chance you get as a born-again child of the king in the small groups, freedom groups, into the church, begin to serve, begin to set up tables, begin to do everything you can to get with people and rub with them because you're gonna rub them and you're gonna sharpen them and they're gonna rub you and you're gonna sharpen them, okay? On the back of my wedding ring is Proverbs 27, 17. Melissa and I made a commitment the day we got married, okay? that we were going to be, give permission to each other to say the hard things and speak hard things into our lives. Now, I promise you, she has, when she speaks them into me, does it sting? Mm, it stings, okay? But I need that because the only way I'm going to get better is if she rubs me. You'll never sharpen a knife, a lawnmower blade, or anything 
You're never gonna get it sharper if you don't put a little pressure to it, okay? All of us in the room have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's not meant to be private. It's not. So you need to get involved as much as you can with the body of Christ. As a couple, hmm, don't try to do this thing by yourself as a couple. It's not good because you start all this junk and you know what you're gonna say? What's wrong with us? Can I tell you something? Ain't nothing wrong with y'all. Man, woman, hilarious. God laughing. He said, put them together, watch this. That's his entertainment. He don't need no TV. They said, we well, don't have TV in, in, in heaven? Nope, you have married couples. That's what he watches, all right? You will not do it without him. You won't. He's gotta be the third strand right in the middle of it. And you're gonna rub each other. You're gonna let each other get rubbed. And you gotta get together with other couples and get in small groups and chase Jesus, all right? And follow Jesus and grow. And there's gonna be stuff happening in your life and you're not gonna want it to happen. It's just gonna pop up, a phone call, a test, struggles with kids and all this stuff. And you're gonna want people in your life. You're gonna need people in your life. And a church will do that, okay? But man, even Tonto had the Lone Ranger, I mean, Lone Ranger had Tonto, amen? Dating myself, but you can't do it by yourself, okay? You need each other. Gotta have the church. So here's what I want you to do, church. Don't look at salvation from what you got out of it. We know what we got. I want you to turn it around. Look at salvation from God's perspective. Look what it cost him. Look what he did for you. Look at the price he paid. Look at how he pursued you. Look how he ran you down. Look where he follows you around like goodness and mercy every day, trying to get in your life and let you pursue him. Can you please stop long enough and understand what it looks like from his perspective and when you turn around and see the cross and what it costs him, can you now jump in and give him more than you're giving him today? Every one of us in the room can give him more today than we did yesterday. Commitment to the church, commitment to him, period. It cost him everything, man. We got a lot from it, right? And it didn't cost us anything. It was free. Salvation is free to us, but it cost him everything, everything. I'm gonna invite you to stand, church. morning only question on the table salvation from God's perspective just from God's perspective how's your commitment to what he did for you my commitment to the word my commitment to worship my commitment to prayer my commitment to the church my commitment to serving the church, supporting the church. I got everything I got, man. I got heaven. I got eternal life. I got a relationship with my Father in heaven. I am not an orphan. I've been chosen, pursued, run down, chased. He wanted a relationship with me. I didn't have it unless he drew me. All that you got, man, you're rich. How much is he getting from you? It's not guilt, it's just a question. How much is he getting from you? 
Salvation can't be Starbucks. That was a brutal Starbucks, man. Everything you got is from him, free. Free to us, but not free to him. Hey, thanks for joining us today here at the Church at Bushland Online. Hey, if you were inspired by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Just drop a message in the comments or you could email us at info at bushland.com. We'd love to hear what God's doing in your life. Also, man, if there's anything we could agree for in prayer with you guys, just text the word pray to 806-557-1800. We believe there's power in agreement um, with the Lord. And so um, if we could pray for you, just do that for us. Um, And if you'd like to connect further with us through social media, uh, just search the church at Bushland. You can find out more things that are coming up here um, and get involved that way. And then if you'd like to plan a visit, uh, we'd love to see you face-to-face. We have services here, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. You can go to our website, thechurchatbushland.com, and plan that visit, and we look forward to meeting you that way. Finally, man, just thanks again for joining us. Pray your faith was encouraged, and we look forward to journeying with you in the days ahead. So have a blessed day.